Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. As you know, we have the wonderful actor, Gordon Thompson, with us tonight. Sometimes audiences are familiar with Gordon from his amazing performance of the pathologically evil Adam Carrington on the Aaron Selling nighttime drama Dynasty. But after Dynasty, Gordon entered the world of daytime, first on the NBC daytime drama Santa Barbara, in the role of Mason Capwell, becoming the third actor to play the role. After Santa Barbara, Gordon moved to the daytime drama Sunset Beach, which happened to be from his old boss, Aaron Spelling Productions. Gordon is currently starring in the web series Divanity in its third season as the ruthless jewelry magnet, Preston Regis. And I think probably there's some Adam Carrington in that, I, I would assume. Gordon stars opposite writer and actor Michael Caruso and Kyle Lauder, a Days of Our Lives alumni. We talk today to Gordon about his time on the iconic series Dynasty, his time in daytime, and his role on Divanity. Let's welcome to the airwaves this wonderful guy, Gordon Thompson. Hi, Gordon! <laughs> That wasn't nearly perky enough, Deb. Oh, okay. I'll have to work on that. You know, I might have to edit that. Sure. (laughs) Certainly. Absolutely. Not now. Don't do it now. (laughs) Oh, no, not now? Oh, oh, okay. All right. Well, I'll I'll take that under advisement, definitely. Okay. Okay. That's a good idea. It's a pleasure to be here. It really is a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. I'll tell you why, because um, in, in my... God, I've been an actor now for 50 years. <laughs> 50 wow. years. And um, in that time, I've done an awful lot of acting and a lot of chatting with people who are pretty smart and who have asked me some very smart questions. And I'm very looking, looking forward very much to talking to you as a result, because you're part of, a, I think, a really rather wonderful tradition in show business, probably since the Greeks, of just interviewing people that people find interesting, and that's, that's very nice. Oh. I, 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 that's enough chitter-chatter for me. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's all about say. you. It's all about you, Gordon. Did, they not give you, did I not send you that memo that the, the whole interview is about you or the whole chat is about you? No, no, no. No, that, no, no then it's going to be very boring. It's all about <laughs> one person that's boring, boring, boring. But I'd be glad to talk to you about what I have, do, what I have done, how my, my hat size, the color <laughs> of my eyes, my first dog, my first cat, my, you know, all that shit. If you want, sure, I can do that. Um, no, we don't go down that path. We get into, we get into uh, some spiritual, like, thinking in, in my interview. So uh, I'll throw these at you. We'll see. I'm we'll not going to share my mantra with you, okay? I will not do that. Oh, darn, you know, and that was my whole purpose for this interview. Darn it. Sneak out my mantra? Yes, you know. I do TM every goddamn morning? 
I won't do it, Dad. I'm sorry. Oh, man. The check no, will have to be absolutely huge for me to divulge that. In all order. right. All right. Well, we'll see after this interview if I can, like, twist, twist your arm a bit. Well, not my arm, but something else. <laughs> okay. You were born in Ottawa, Ontario. Yes, I was. Um, what was your upbringing like in Ottawa, and did it shape who you became as an actor? Um, actually, my father was working for the Foreign Exchange Control Board during the war. That's why I was born in Ottawa. And we, we very quickly moved to Montreal, and that's where I grew up. I went to McGill University. I went to my father's school on an old boy scholarship. I mean, it was the kind of school we had crests and tie and jacket. That was, that's what all the guys wore. It was, it was that kind of school. And um, then McGill, where I realized that I had to be an actor. I'd never thought of acting before because if you spoke English in Montreal, there was no real theatrical or television life in English. Um, a little bit, but not nearly enough to mm-hmm. register on my stupid mind. And um, Anyway, once I, I'm sure you know this, that actor, to be an actor is not something you choose to do. It, seriously, it chooses you. And right. when you know you have to do this, it makes the rest of your life, it makes it very difficult most of the time. It also, in one way, is very easy because, you know, the only thing you can possibly do to make a living for the rest of your life, whether it's going to be 40 years or 80 years, whatever it may be, is to act. And every good actor, and I think I'm a good one, but every good actor knows this, and you never really retire. Pensions, God alone knows, but you never really retire. Well, what was it that that led you? I mean, why... Was it that in that school that you chose and you said, I have to be an actor? What was it that, that did that, that for you? Main, that, was, that happened when I got to McGill University. And I remember they were, I think they were doing A Midsummer Night's Dream, I think. And I thought, okay, I guess I maybe auditioned for the part of Lysander or Demetrius, one of the two young lovers or something, because I was 18, I think, at the time, 18 or 19. Anyway, um, I... I got upstairs and I said, and I was so terrified, I said, I'm sorry, but I have a a term paper and I have to go, which was utter crap, of course, because (laughs) early in the term, nobody has term papers day two of university. You know, it doesn't happen. Anyway, and it was raining. And I thought, oh, Christ, Gordon, come on. Do you want this or not? So I went back upstairs very sheepishly and I said, it's raining. Can I stay audition? And I did. And I got a job. It wasn't Lysander or Demetrius. It was Peter Quince, one of the mechanicals. They do the play within the play, Pyramus and Thisbe. It's a wonderful, great comic part. And it couldn't have been a nicer surprise for me. I remember the first time, I remember he, Quince has this great prologue to the play within the play. And um, he, it, it, it's utter nonsense. And I left, and I heard this round of applause. And I turned to somebody and said, what's going on? What's that? What happened? And they said, you got a round on your exit, you idiot. Oh. Well, what a gorgeous way to start my career. Really. Yeah. And, 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 and I never went to theater school. I went to the Stratford Festival in Canada, in Ontario. I went up my first visit in 1963 um, where I saw stunning productions and 
then the next season I went up, I was 19, and I auditioned for Michael Langham, who you probably don't know, but Michael Langham at the time was God in the theater in the English-speaking world. Oh. And he, he was, I mean, he was this brilliant Paul Schofield, Olivier, he dressed, he directed all of them. And uh, I did my audition, and he was insanely complimentary and I sort of okay and uh, I got the job also Um, they only gave away 10 jobs the next season and they auditioned about 500 people and I was one of the 10 I was thrilled yeah exactly and uh, I don't, this is this is not going to take much longer, I promise. Um, yeah, no. He asked me, yeah. he asked me the National Theatre School of Canada had just opened in Montreal. It's it's a wonderful school, and I knew this that I and I also knew I was, did I didn't want to go. And I, oh my, he said, I understand, I understand your dilemma. I personally think it's a bit like carpentry. The best way to learn to be a carpenter is to learn with the masters. And the best way to learn to be an actor is to learn with the masters. And that is what I did. I got five months of this first of my season in 65 in Stratford with very good understudies and watching the best actors in the country at the time working in this great theater with Shakespeare and Chekhov as the playwrights. You can't go wrong with that. No. And it was and watching really brilliant actors working from the get-go on great parts, and I was the crowd in all of them. I was the screaming crowd in Julius Caesar. I was a soldier in Henry IV, parts one and two. I was a Russian peasant in the cherry orchard, and I got to watch these phenomenally gifted people and work and how they achieved it. And I'm not prying into their, oh, their, you know, tortured thing, but their working habits in the theater, in rehearsal, and sometimes in performance. And can I give, then I will stop when I, this one example. There was a superb actress called Frances Highland, and Franny was playing Varia in The Cherry Orchard, one of Chekhov's well, they're all gorgeous, but this is one of his most gorgeous plays. And it was a very small scene. She had to walk on stage, and this blustery, up-and-coming sort of boss person whom, with whom she was in love doesn't ask her to marry him. And that's all. It takes two minutes, maybe. And Franny, from her first... Her last exit in Act 3, all through intermission, to her entrance in Act 4 of this teeny tiny scene, she would pace up and down the corridors of the theater in costume, ignoring everybody, and we all ignored her because we knew what she was doing. She just walked around for about 20, 25 minutes, quietly gathering herself. There was no camera, but there were 2,000 people out there watching her. And she went on, and with, I don't know, three or four lines and two minutes, you could hear every single person in the theater recognize the fact that they just watched this woman's heart break. That is an extraordinary achievement. Wow. And, yeah, <clears throat> and we all watched it happen. because, And that is a habit that stuck with me from that day to this. If I have the time, and if I can't have the time on the set or backstage or in the studio, I'll make it for myself at home quietly and grow into what I need to find in me because an actor has to be empathetic, otherwise he can't act. And then I can produce something interesting. That's why one reason why Adam Carrington wasn't a bore. He could have been a massive bore, bore. if he'd just been this sort of meanie. No, thank you. That's boring. 
So yeah. I thought about it, and I was, it was not hard because I've been acting at the time for 17 years. So it was fairly easy for me to find something interesting to do with the part. And that was all thanks to my very early experiences at the Stratford Festival when I was 20. Wow. And that's, see, that's what makes you an amazing actor, though, um, Gordon, is because you take it, amazing actors take it to another level. They either, because as, as an actor, I know you have to, if there isn't a backstory, uh, enough of a backstory or enough of an interesting backstory, you almost have to make it for yourself in order to develop your layers for what you're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And luckily, I think Adam was the last time they introduced a male character of, with any kind of interest. Everybody else, I mean, yeah. poor Michael Nader playing Dex Dexter. Lovely part. <laughs> and he was, he was Joan Stupp. And he was Susan Lucci Stupp. Lovely. He's a nice man and a decent actor. But they threw him on just, here you go, bam. And the, what? Well, with me... I had a little bit, little bit of backstory that I could share with the audience. And one yeah. of my favorite scenes I ever shot on the show, for, and I was there for seven seasons, was the very first, son, very first scene I did with the lady who played my grandmother. That was heaven on a stick. First of all, the actress whose name I'm ashamed to say I've forgotten, but she was one of those distinguished, really good character Hollywood girls. Right. And she was just amazingly good and great face. And I thought, ooh, they're doing a number with this, aren't they? And they really were. And it was only, what, three, four minutes or something? And yeah. boy, what a, and it was such a treat. Such yeah. a treat for me. And so that was a great kickoff, I have to oh, say. Oh, absolutely. Now, speaking, I want to get back to Adam Carrington, but I want to ask, what is the most valuable lesson you have learned that you have carried throughout your career? What I just told you about Franny Island, actually, watching the, the necessary things you have to do privately for yourself, and I don't mean masturbation, by the way. I just, although maybe that helps, okay. I personally have never used that technique, um, at least professionally. Um, I, I just, it, it's, it's, it's what you have to do for yourself because nobody else is going to do it. I don't care how brilliant the director may be. And if they're really good, you're very lucky. They're very, very hard to find, a good director. But if you, even with a really good director, you've got to find something in yourself. And Franny, watching her pace the corridors in the theater where actors are chatting in intermission and smoking and carrying on, and she just gathered herself. She did what she had to do. And that is the best lesson I've ever learned. And that's far and away the most important lesson I've ever learned as well. They're voice lessons and movement lessons. And if you spend time in front of a camera, you get to understand lenses, and you get, to a degree anyway, and you get to understand, unfortunately, your face if you watch rushes, which I very quickly stopped doing. I hate watching myself on camera. I always think, oh, God, get a facelift and do it again until you get it right, always. And I, so I don't watch myself. And... Um, the trouble is, <laughs> I also don't get to watch the people I'm working with. <laughs> I don't get to oh. see my, my, my peers, unless they're in scenes I'm not in. Right. Right, right. Well, it, that is a, it's very interesting. It's one of the questions I like to ask because it gives an insight into who you are, 
how you develop yourself, what, what it is that drives you in this business, and how you become the actor you are. Um, I, I, first of all, I don't think if you are not a, really an actor, you can learn all kinds of tricks, but you never become one. I just don't. Um, if you are truly an actor, it shows schooling, experience, in my case, apprenticeship or not, it will eventually manifest itself. Uh, yes. And how many, how many, I think Julie, Julie Roberts, for instance, is a very good actor. But I don't know if she went to school. I don't know. I have not a clue. I'd like to, I bet she didn't. But yes. she had this extraordinary quality, this right. obviously stunning. I don't mean that her face is glorious, but it's not perfectly beautiful. Emma Sams has a perfectly beautiful face. Julia right. Roberts had a slightly feral face. There's something slightly animal. Her mouth is just a little too rich. It's too, it's, it's, right. She's got a very extravagant face. And, right. and that's one reason why she's so riveting to watch. But she, I've never thought of her as being a perfect beauty, because she ain't. But she yeah. is a wonderful actor. And that mm-hmm. was there from the get-go. You know, right. I'm working with the right people, with, and also she's obviously very savvy. She knows herself inside out, probably, and always, and has done since she was very young. But right. this is somebody who's just a very good actor. I doubt very much whether there's any f- much formal training there. Mm-hmm. There isn't with me. I've, my formal training, as I said, was this, with the Stratford Festival for five, for five months. And people go to drama school, God, for years. Right. And sometimes it pays off, and more often than not, it doesn't. Right. Right. No, you, you had the best training that there could have been, actually. I think so. I think so, for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's, let's talk about Dynasty. You played Adam Carrington. He was Did I? <laughs> Did I? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't he was... remember. <laughs> He was he was he was fun to do. Well, the word pathological in the introduction. I yes. take exception to that. What would you call him then, Gordon? I mean, I mean, when you got the when you got the breakdown, a little bit, a little bit twisted. That's all. Oh, oh, he was more than he a little twisted. He was abandoned by his parents in his baby carriage outside his store, and some poor, dotty old broad came along and kidnapped him. How would you feel if you discovered when you were, what, 23 or 4 years old, that all of a sudden you really were the son of this mammothly wealthy family? Yes. Anger, for one thing. Yes. And if you're not stupid, you keep it under your skin, but it's going to erupt sometimes. So you rape the butler's daughter and, to, you know, threaten to kill your ghastly rival, John James, with poison paint. I mean, that was going some, I thought. But it's all, if you look, it's very understandable. There's a reason for everything. Ab- absolutely. And, and Adam, it was, so, it was so interesting the way you played Adam. The, the question was, you know, what was it that drew you to the role of Adam? On the breakdown, did it say, uh, or, or did it say what, what manifested it to be, or did you make Adam what you wanted him to be? I don't, it was a combination of a lot of things. First of all, I would have to be an idiot to say no. Um, I auditioned and I, for them, and then I did screen test with Joan, and... Um, it well together. That was clear. Uh, I don't 
actually know what their plans were for Adam before I came around because he was a brand new character and I wasn't given any clues. I just got the scripts and clearly there was something unpleasant simmering there. Uh, so I thought, I will do that. Mm-hmm, okay. I just played what I was given and uh, I think the writers, writers like working for actors who give them some colors to work with. And Absolutely. at the time, and again, I'd been working for 17 years, and I knew something about the job. I was very grateful, may I say, that I arrived um, not as old as Adam was. They were very specific. He was 24 years old. I was 37. And oh, genetically, wow. when I was g- genetically, I've been very lucky my whole mm-hmm. life in terms of looking younger than I am. And that's only, that's only DNA. That's all that is. And... Uh, but luckily, I was able to work 17 years before I got here. I would hate to be an actor of 23 or 4, thrown into that bunch, very good people, wonderful crew, all that stuff, Aaron Spelling, one of the best producers in history, and why, And you've given this extraordinary part, and you don't know what the hell to do with it. Well, I did, because I knew what I was doing. But as a newbie, I would I would hate to be faced with that. It's like being a child today. No, thank you. I wouldn't want to be 24 years old today. I'm not in 8,000 years. No, thank you. No. No. And the same thing with... Uh, and Dynasty, also don't forget, there were only three networks at the time. And, right. um, and we, had sh- we used to get, routinely, a 40 share. That's insane. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, that's almost half the televisions in this country... Half the televisions in this country were tuning in to watch Dynasty. That's insane. It was a phenomenon. It was absolutely a phenomenon. And and that actually leads me into the next question. It was known worldwide, because I know you guys were known worldwide. Yes. What what was it like for you during that time when Dynasty was like a phenomenon for you? Was it difficult for you to go out of your house or go to the market and not get recognized? Did you always have to have security around you? What kind of experience did you have with the public? Again, we were very lucky that the show was shot in Los Angeles. L.A. has been Hollywood since movies began, and since television and radio began. And so um, people are sort of used to... I remember I, I ran into a lady at Trader Joe's two days ago who said... Oh, I, I saw Joan Collins in Hamburger Hamlet, and I, I thought, you saw Joan in Hamburger Hamlet? Exactly. Because in Hollywood, you see Joan in Hamburger Hamlet. You see uh, famous people all right. over the place. So right. it, it's not a kind of, oh, my goodness. No, I, you go to the Ralph's or whatever, Gelson's, whatever you go to to buy food. Nobody, but, hello, they know you, and they're very polite usually, and maybe a stranger will come up and say hello and I enjoy blah, blah, blah. And the people are very nice, but they're very cool about it. So there was none of that. I didn't know exactly what it felt like until I was asked to go to Norway. Uh, oh. because Dynasty was pulled from Norway, I think, in 83. And there was a big outcry. And so some smart cookie decided they were going to sell the VCR, the, the tape version of the show. And yeah. they wanted to publicize this, and they asked me. To, I said, "Sure." Went over, 
and it was all first class and black. And I walked out on, in, into this sort of enormous amphitheater with 10,000 people. I walked out, and they, I felt like Mick Jagger. They just began to scream for about five minutes. It was yeah. extraordinary. And that was my first taste of what it might be like internationally. And it basically was. How, how, with that reaction, uh, Gordon, um, how do you react? Like, what does it make you feel like when you have that kind of effect on that many people and you're that known? Well, what does that feel well, like? I knew that, and I, I knew that it wasn't me. I knew that it was the okay. part. People, Adam was... I mean, he looked like me, and I was about it, and he sounded like me, and those two things. Were, and uh, he, whatever the writers and directors and I put together is what interested them uh, right. and made them start yelling. It wasn't Gordon Thompson doing this. It was Adam Carrington, who happened to look like this person, little tiny person on the stage a hundred yards away. Um, that, and, and I just, I mean, you, you smile, you laugh, and you can't take it seriously. But it's, it is an experience that I'm very glad I had because it's, it's 10,000 people screaming, we love you, um, even though they don't know who the you is they're screaming at, but you know who you are, so you can take it for what it's worth. And it's what it's worth. It's about 0.001% is me, and the other 99 point blah, blah, blah is Adam Carrington, is the show, is the power of television, which at that time was even greater than I suspect it is today, because, right. as I say, of, there were so few channels, networks. Mm -hmm. No, it was, it, was, it was wonderful. I think everybody was, I wish they'd paid me. <laughs> they didn't pay me for the trip. But never oh. mind. That's just, that's just called having a really inadequate manager, which I did have a very inadequate manager. But that's neither here nor there. That was my experience. And it, it said from Norway, it was never that enormous and that sort of hugely vocal again, because I never met, I'd never met a crowd that big ever again. But I certainly, in, in England, in France, um, I went to, God, I went to Gore Island um, in South Africa. It was an astonishing feeling. I, mean, I got to go to these great places only because of the job and because of the popularity of the show. I, 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 we didn't, nobody talked about it much because we were all so busy doing it. But I suspect that all of us who were regulars on the show who wanted to travel were able to and have this, the same experience I did, I'm sure. That wow. Would go for every, that would go for any actor who was as lucky as I was during the 80s. I mean, that was a hell of a time. Absolutely. It, it, it um, kind of is, a, is baffling to me that you weren't getting paid for personal appearances, though. Oh, well, eventually I did. No, eventually the, I did. Believe me. No, this was the first time, and I had never done it before. The one thing being, being a Canadian does not train you for is how to deal with money and PR and all that stuff. Because oh. Canada does not have a star system. And I came here from there to do this. And God, this, this business in this city is very, very star-oriented. And at the time, I was never a star. Not, I've never been a star. But I was certainly a sort of, sort of substrata sort of performer, you know, an also, a co-star sort of person. I've never um, 
been over the title in any sort of really big, flashy, splashy way, um, which has probably saved my sanity. But um, no, that, 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 that was a, an extraordinary feeling. Sorry. Uh, oh, wonderful, wonderful. Now, let's, let's, let's get into daytime. You were, on the, you were on the daytime drama Santa Barbara, where you were yep. the third actor, Clay Mason Capwell, who was yep. phenomenally huge as well. What was your biggest challenge taking over this role on that show? Well, I, um, the first actor was a very good actor called Lane Davies. Right. Uh, Lane decided he wanted to stop when his contract ran out. And then Terry Lester took over. And Lane um, also won Emmy Awards for his performance. I uh, had not seen the show. And um, Terry left after two weeks. He just, oh, wow. he didn't like it. He, he thought, no, this is not for me. And they were panicky. And Dynasty had gone off the air, I think, the previous year. And... They, I was called and offered the job, and I said, no, 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 I'm a prime-time kind of guy. What is this daytime stuff? Because I was a snoot. I'm an idiot. I was a fool. And I said, okay, fine. And I took the job, and the lovely people, and the writing was the best written. Mason was the best written part I have had on television in my life. He was brilliantly written. He was also a brilliant man. And... Mm-hmm. The, the challenge was, and thank God I could meet it, was learning 35 pages a day, five days a week, for two and a half, three years. They knew, first of all, they knew how much I loved playing the part, and they knew that I could learn lines. And Mason never shut his goddamn mouth. So, <laughs> no, really, and he was, he was passionate, he was sexy, Absolutely. he was smart as a whip, he was, he was all these wonderful things, and he was a joy to get into. He was really a treat and a half, and I had a great time playing Mason, and I was very sorry and very surprised when the show was pulled. I still, to this day, do not know why it was pulled. No, I, I have no idea. Um, I do know that uh, Santa Barbara had, um, or was that Sunset Beach that had um, Pratt? But Sunset Beach, Pratt, Charles Pratt, and... Um, I don't know who is it. Anyway, he he went on to be uh, he went on to be a consultant for Desperate Housewives. Charles really? Yeah. yeah. And so I'm not certain why it was pulled. I do know that Santa Barbara started during the Olympics of 1984. Right. They they premiered while the Summer Olympics were on. It was the most interesting thing I'd ever, yeah, I I started watching it during the Olympics because there was, you know, there was only Olympics coverage and then they had this soap that started. Anyway, I'm not certain why they they pulled it. Um, The only thing I can think of is NBC may have wanted that time spot back to do something else with it. I don't know. There was a gradual decline of soaps after a certain amount of time. And, well, I was uh, hoping to spend my sunset years playing some doddering old patriarch and some on some daytime drama, and but they've all gone. 
I, I understand. I understand economically why, but I, and I think it's appalling that every show that was cancelled, it wasn't just the cast. It was the the crews, the writers, the the producers and directors, makeup artists, hair, all those people. I mean, hundreds of people per show were put out of a job, and I think exactly. that's exactly all, all, all because goddamn reality TV, which is yes. cheap. I guess to produce because very few people get paid, except the crews. Does anybody? Yeah. Nobody writes that stuff, do they? And if they do, they should be fucking shot. Pardon me, <laughs> shot. I didn't mean. No way. I'm no trying to edit myself as we go along. Here. No, um, I know they say that reality TV is not supposed to be scripted, but I think it, it has become scripted. I do. Right. Uh, so I'm not sure. I know that a lot of it started, I was talking to Tristan Rogers about this on Monday, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. and I think that um, o- the OJ trial definitely put us in a different, a different place. Right. Because people could not stop watching it. Well, that was interesting. I mean, that was a soap opera in a way. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was an hideous soap opera with some of the ugliest incidents uh, under the sun being discussed. Yes. Um, and it was, and it was, you had a star athlete and God knows what all and really ugly crimes. And it was a major soap opera, except the soap opera was never that lurid that I'm aware of. No. And of course people couldn't, but that's not reality TV. That that's, that's mm. documentary TV. Right. Reality TV is about, I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier before we went on the air, and that is basically how many people do you know whose lives are so interesting you really want to know what's going on and whose no. opinions are so interesting you really want to hear what they have to say? I, did, I, know, I know maybe four people who are that yes. interesting. And yes. That's it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, but the, we were also talking about the generation – that is coming up now is totally different than our generation. And it sure is. It's, it's, it's night and day. Uh, we were discussing that, you know, before, uh, when we were, when we were small children, we would stay outside until dinner time and we would play outside. Now kids come home, they play their video games or they get on the computer and play a game or, there's so much technology that it's just a different world altogether for them. And it is so seductive. Twitter, mm-hmm. I, I, must, I confess, I, I refuse to be a part of it because, number one, I'm old and I'm allowed. I give myself, I give myself permission to say no to all social media. I email, and that really is it. I don't Twitter, I Facebook, LinkedIn, none of that. I want nothing to do with it because right. I think it's all so intrusive and it's, I, I don't want to know. I don't want, I don't want to know pictures of your little baby's first stool. I don't want to see that. Thank you so much. And that to me is epitomizes an awful lot of what goes on with all this stuff. Yes. You threw up last night. I don't want to see the picture of it. Thank you. I don't want to know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, but Deb, it's so seductive. Then yes. kids come home, and I've, I've, somebody told me this that 
she didn't present her homework. She'd done her homework. Well, I can't because I got home and I've got half an hour on Twitter and then I have an hour and a half, two hours on Facebook and there was no time. I'm thinking, what? Your education? Yeah. You're, it's going by the boards because, you're, because this people are seduced by social media. Now, and it's immensely powerful. And my God, because it is anonymous... For the most, unless you want to say, hi, this is me, and this is my opinion, most people do not do that. They just express usually a terribly unattractive, unsympathetic, negative viewpoint. The Academy Awards. I, I, I watched the show. I enjoyed it. I thought Ellen did a superb job. I yeah. thought a few things were really iffy. Um, and I thought Bed Midler did a wonderful job, sing great song. She sounds great. The woman is 70, and she looks and sounds wonderful. Yes. I, she got so raked over the coals, anonymously, in, with, with tweets. Just, she looked awful. She sounded like shit. I mean, it's awful stuff. Yes. And I'm thinking, and, and this goes on all the time. I'm sure that this conversation, I am being <laughs> so sort of aggressively uninvolved in social media that you know there are going to be tweets that who does that asshole think he is? He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, etc. Because they can express it anonymously and they can get it off their chest. And it's going to happen, and that's okay. But I have to tell you, if and maybe I'm cooking my goose here, if ever I do any other network television or some a film or whatever, I've got to be very careful to be as good as I can possibly be and as true to what I do for a living as I can be. Otherwise, I'm going to be raked over more coals because oh, yeah. more people, everybody's a critic, you know? Yes. Everybody's a negative critic. Which I yes. find very, very sad. It's, it, and it's created a very negative, I think, a negative sort of network. And I don't mean network as in television network. No. A network as in links. LinkedIn is a very good way to put it, a name for one of these systems. Right. But it's right. linked all around the world. Everything is tied together. It really is like chains. And it's yes. not forgiving chains. No. No, and, and we've given way too much. Um, unfortunately, the, the Internet is the best thing that's ever happened to us and the worst thing. And, you know, the reason, the reason I say that is because we have all of this technology at our fingertips and we, we know so much more and we can find out so much more than we did before. But at the same time, there's nobody policing it either. There's no jurisdiction on it. There's nobody saying you can't have that kind of a website. Um, so when you're talking about the World Wide Web, anything is possible. Anything that you want to know about, um, including anything about making a bomb, is on the Internet. And that's yes. frightening. Isn't it, though? Yes. Yep. It's very frightening. I mean, before, before we, had, we had, you know, controls and things like that, ever since the Internet came up, and nobody can figure out how to police it. Right. So it is always going to be uncharted territory. It's always going to be something that, you know, that's why, that's why parents have to watch their kids on the Internet because they can go places unless you put, like, a specific lock on your computers at all times. They yep. can go 
different places, even companies that you work for have blocks now. You can't go on this website because we don't support it. You know, that kind of thing. That's what companies have had to do because people were surfing the web on, on, at, at work. And, of course, of course. You know? It's so easy to do. It is so accessible. Yes. God. And the, this, uh, I, writers, I'm sure you know lots of people who write fiction or non and people who write. And um, somebody was telling me the other day that if you're searching for a word and you can't think of it, Google it. You'll get yes. all kinds of – why? Yes. Shakespeare, nobody has written better than he wrote. He wrote without a goddamn Google. No, sorry. Use your imagination. Use your mind. Use your education. I don't want to know that there are 8,000 synonyms for the word whatever. Fart. Okay. Fine. But sorry. Use your imagination. Absolutely. The the thing is, is that, and you were trained in Shakespeare. I just want to go back to that for a minute. And he, he wrote in it, iambic pentameter, which, was, which is fascinating. Yes, I agree. You know, that is a fascinating – Shakespeare was one of the most amazing writers and one of the most um, – he, he wrote in code, but he wrote very eloquently. Oh, stunningly, stunningly. Yeah. He expressed – I, I'm not as a Shakespearean scholar as I would like to be because I'm lazy. But I do know that what he wrote has lasted for 400, 400 years, more or less, and or 350 anyway. And it's it's um, it's to, it is as powerful today as it was when he wrote it. Um, actors love working on his stuff, because it gives them so much. He yeah. wrote richer stuff than anybody else in history. And the poetry, people sometimes get to be kind of worried or nervous or, yeah, no, 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 they're, they're put off by it. Why? Poetry has become almost a dirty word for a yeah. lot of people. Why? Oh. Why? Po- real poetry is so... Beautiful, and it's not just lyrically beautiful and graceful. It's beautiful because it's true. There's a huge power in great, beautiful expression. Absolutely. To be or not to be. Think of that. It's such a, I mean, Jack Benny made a very funny farce with that as a title. But if you'd think about it as a line, this confused, screwed up young Danish prince is just going out of his mind. He has... He's seen murder and incest and all kinds of stuff. And he's going, is he going to live or die? He doesn't know. Well, what is the best way to put that in your talking to yourself? To be or not to be. That is the question. That's the question. Yeah. And that's stunning. That is a stunning line. It's poetry. It's beautiful. And it is immensely powerful. And Absolutely. it couldn't be simpler. There's nothing simpler in life in words than those words. And the power they have is enormous. If anybody has the guts to think about existing or not existing and what that means, well, you, not you, that's going to make you sit still for quite a long time if you are old enough to vote. And I mean seven. I mean seven years old. Yeah, oh God, yeah. 
And that's poetry. That's, yeah. And that's Shakespeare. And that's poetry. And uh, people, oh, God, if you're going to Google and if you're going to, you know, tweet and all that, please don't forget. Uh, maybe read a sonnet a night or something. So, right. Right. The greats. The greats. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, let's talk about your online series, Divanity. Yes, um, What can you tell us about the show and your character, Preston Regis? Who is this guy? Well, I'll tell you something. Michael Caruso is, first of all, he is so smart. Michael is a very, very bright, intelligent man. Um, he's a wonderful writer, particularly. And he offered me a job on The Vanity. I had not seen the show. Um, and he said, do you want to be good or bad? And I said, are you kidding? Well, because good, I, I don't think I'd like to maybe have a bash at good, but I do know how much fun it is to play somebody who is on the darker side of things. Yes. So, um, so he wrote Preston basically for me. Um, and Preston is not a nice man. Uh, he's not a good father. Um, one of his sons, actually Michael plays, Jason, um, who is the leading character in the piece. Uh, he's, um, how do we, gee, he, again, he's a bit like, I've said this before, so forgive me, because I think I said it right the first time. He's like, <coughs> pardon me, Adam Carrington all grown up without a leash. Yes. That's what I, I had said. He sounds like he has a little bit of Adam Carrington in him. A lot, a lot, a lot. But he's much older now. He is even more unrestrained because he's richer. Mm -hmm. He's more powerful. He's, and whatever is, was ruthless about Adam has become ingrained now. Adam was growing up. He was still a young man. Right. Preston is not. Preston is set in his ways. He is who he is and has been for generations now. He has grandchildren. He, he's he's oh. not a nice man. And, but he's also fascinating. And Michael, this last season, which we shot last August, um, Michael was determined to show different sides of Preston. And I was equally determined not to let go of what I think was definitely part of Preston's core. So it was really interesting to get the scripts and to work on them and to work with Michael and to act with Michael because what he did, and it forced me to do the Franny Highland thing about borrowing into yourself to find the truth of what the writer, in this case a very good writer, is asking me to come up with without betraying what I know already about the character. So I had to dig down and find out more about Preston. And he is, he's got more range than I thought he did to begin with. He's even more interesting. Ah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So there's going to be more layers that you're going to be exposing. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Definitely. Okay. Oh, that that sounds that sounds fascinating. I have to uh, I have to catch up on the vanity myself. Um, Please do because it's it's very good. It first of all, it looks like a million bucks, which is a shame oh. because there's no money. But it looks as if we had a huge budget because but it, they, we, they, they are 
DP is a brilliant man. He's a Frenchman called Rod Portier, and he's so good. He and his crew of one, Justin, oh. who is also superb, those two guys make the show look like $8 million. It's unbelievable. And also, Michael is casted awfully well. Some of the most beautiful people, men and women you have ever seen, are on this show. And, if, wow. and, and they're all good. And they all look like a million bucks. And Michael writes really well for us all. And it's a treat and a half to do. A treat and a half. Now, where can people find Divanity, Gordon? On the web www.divanity.com that's all you need to do and there it is wonderful wonderful Um, do you think uh, that this will be the wave of the future and how people will be enjoying television in the future without question without question and it's it's affecting everybody I mean I have um, I've I've not been well for a little while and I'm much better now and I'm back into the swing of things and um, nothing serious but on my back just finally said you have to stop doing it anyway um, I'm back now in my head and my agent now has told me a few things that have changed radically since I stopped going after work Um, and I have to become very adept at that monster thing the PC and um, so I, I, I definitely there's no question uh, that people are going to be looking at pictures i.e. film television soap opera series whatever it may be it's going to be on your computer without question because you can call it up and at will to vanity is not there's not a time slot you've got to think about you have to know just what to type onto your keyboard, and it's there. That's amazing. Wow. Yes. And that's one reason why the Internet is, is so powerful, because it's basically, you buy your machine, and most of it is free. Unless you want to get into porn, then you've got to pay. Okay, fine. Right. But anything that is not pornographic, you can see for nothing. And what's going to be the next great step is to find out how to make it pay. And people are going to resist that like crazy because at the moment you don't need to pay to see to vanity. Right. I wish people did because it would make Michael's life a lot easier. <laughs> he wouldn't have to raise all the money on, him, on, on his own. But that's amazing that he does this. And oh God, hats off! Wow. Something he really is something. I'd love to interview him sometime. Well, you um, please do. Yeah, I'll. I'll, I'll talk to you um i'll talk to you about it um it, it's just it it's it's really interesting that that so many of these web series are now popping up there's a new one coming out uh, there's the vanity there's um venice which actually i think they were charging for a subscription really? um yeah yeah venice the series was charging for a subscription they would let you see I think 30 minutes of the show and then they would ask you to subscribe if you wanted to see any more of it. Um, and uh, there's, there's other ones. Um, there's a few that, and there's another one that someone and Jeannie Francis was on one. Was she on the vanity? No, Jeannie Francis. No, she wasn't. No, no, Charlene Tilton was on the vanity. That, okay. But, um, Jeannie Francis was on one. It just seems like, 
there's a lot of actors that are going in that direction. And I do believe that I don't believe that it's because there's no work out there. I think that this is the new wave of work. I think this is the new wave of acting is going to be web series and they're going to start making money because people are going to have to start doing that in order to be able to see what they want to see now. Yeah. I hope you're right. I hope oh, you're yeah. right. And, and as an actor, we've been around for so long, I think, and I've watched things change. It's a sociological phenomenon. I, I, somebody was talking to Agnes Nixon, I think, last year in New York, and this very thing. Agnes Nixon invented, practically invented, daytime soap. She yeah. wrote All My Children and Susan Lucci's part for the whole 40 years of the show's existence. And she began in radio, 15-minute episodes, half-an-hour episodes. Suddenly on television, 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour. And now it's on the Internet. That, and she's watched change from the, get, from the catbird seat. She saw it from the very beginning. And, and, she, and I think... She didn't, I don't think she said, yes, it's going to be like that. But I think she said something like, yes, I suspect that is what's going to happen. Well, I would, I would take it a step further, not being as tactful or as well, tactful will do as, 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 um, as, as she. But I, I think, yes, it's going to be because it's so easy to access. Yeah. It's so easy. Yeah, and is the, I, I'm wondering if the production, like, because that would be a question I would ask Michael, if the production is, is cheaper to do than doing it for a network, I would think that it would be a little cheaper to oh, produce it. Oh, much cheaper. Oh, sure. Yeah. Michael uses his own apartment to shoot a lot oh, of it. Wow. Uh, and he, great, fortunately, has a wonderful apartment in downtown Los Angeles. Oh, um, with, with very high ceilings, and um, he has Rod Portier, who is his DP, as I said. But that, so it looks like a million bucks, but it costs him, um, not nothing, but not very much, not very much. <sighs> and money is the big difference. People have, have asked me the difference between, for instance, Dynasty and Divanity. And right. the answer is money, that's all, because yes. we're all there. In both cases, everybody was there, from Aaron Spelling to the lowliest gopher. We did the show because we love to do our job. We love to do it. And at Aaron Spelling, we got paid. On the web, a little bit, but not much. And that's okay, too. Because, right. number one, I'm old enough now. I have pensions and Social Security and God knows what. So, and, and don't have any money of my own, but it's all sort of, it comes in every month, and I can sit back and relax now because I'm an old fart. And as an old fart, I can just sit here and purr like an old tomcat. Um, but it's, it's, I wish people were able to make a proper living because it is going to be, it is the wave of the future without question. And, be, and we, people do it because we love it. And now more than ever, we do it because we love it. Yeah, That's definitely. That is the well, only difference. Um, well, with the emergence of Dallas on TNT now, with the new, did you know about the new Dallas on TNT? Oh, yes, yes, yes. 
do you think that there's a possibility that Dynasty will follow in the same? Uh, As a matter of fact, I can't. I think I can, I never was able to answer that question before because, like most people, I thought, well, yes, it's a no-brainer. You know, sure, they're into a season three now. I think, aren't they? On Dallas? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, and I have a feeling that Linda and Joan would be willing to put certainly little, you know, hi, we're here, at least once right. in a while, and it, they're logical. Two poles, John James and myself, rivals. We hate each other. The right. characters did, and we adore it. We're good friends, JJ and I. But the point is, it's all built in, you know. Um, right. Tracy Scoggins and I had a long talk about this. Tracy decided that maybe Monica and Adam, both other second cousins, they can marry and they have a kid, and the kid is gay. How wonderful to saddle Adam Carrington, homophobic jerk of all time, with a gay child in a, in, 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 at a time in history when the kid is not going to be bullied by his asshole father. That's you know true. I mean? That's, I mean, that, that, well, this is all possible. And that's just sitting across a restaurant table with the beautiful and very smart Miss Scoggins. Well, yeah. Jeffrey Lane, who is the PR to the world, um, Jeff and I discussed this. Um, he represents Stephanie Powers. They are reviving heart to heart in the same way. And oh, the, wow. the and, and and the the network doing it, the cable it was it's cozy TV I think. And okay. Jeff yeah. went to New York to discuss this on behalf of his client, and he said, "Why aren't you people possibly going to do Dynasty? Because you know, blah blah blah." And he said, "As a matter of fact, we'd love to, but as a big problem." The Shapiros, who wrote the show, they invented it, and Sumner Redstone, who is uh, some huge pumba in at, at ABC in, in, in those days. And it's very expensive. And the Shapiros and Sumner Redstone were the two names given to me as the enormous stumbling blocks and the fact that it would be very, very expensive to overcome them. And that's the really? Which I found astounding. I thought, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, they probably have more money than God right now. Right. And why not? Just, you know, people are dying to see a continuity the way they have with Dallas. It's not yeah. an accident Dallas is successful again, because people are interested in what evolves. And yes. with Dynasty, there are more of us around. Yes. Yes, I mean, that's John why... Forsyth, John died, I think, three or four years ago. I okay. confess I don't remember exactly how long, but Linda, Joan, Catherine Oxenberg, Jack is around, I'm around, Emma's around, Nader's around. It's, people are around, and all of us, I'm sure, would love to get together again because it was a very good bunch. We got along, not all of us all the time, but most of us all the time. Yeah disappointing gordon oh my gosh i agree that is uh, why yeah that just begs the question why would the shapiros why would they put a roadblock up for something that would be successful all over again i have no idea maybe they wouldn't they maybe they feel they wouldn't be able to control it as well as they were used to be able to also they don't have a great partner in aaron they had 
That may be I, one reason. I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, find, figure out reasons. I think it's uh, there's not. I can't think of a single good reason. Because mm-hmm. I tell you right now, the person to be in charge of production would be Michael Caruso. Michael knows more about Dynasty from the word go than I could say. I, I I've forgotten half of it because I'm getting old. But Michael knows. Everything. And Michael was born the year Dynasty began. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So he, he, he grew up with that. He, no, he, he didn't. Grew... He didn't. No, was, he, he, he was nine it. when the show went off the air. But he, was, he obviously discovered it in reruns or cable. Or, I don't know. I don't keep track of these things because I'm lazy. Um, but <laughs> he found the show loved it, and decided to watch as much of it as he... He watched the whole damn thing. And he he has an extraordinarily retentive memory. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I agree. That's amazing. Well, as... I mean, this has been a wonderful interview with you. Thank you so much for taking this time with me. Well, thank you. Um, I've had a good time. Oh, it's been it's been wonderful. Um, will you hang on the line while I just wrap this show up? Yes, absolutely. Oh, okay. Um, this will conclude our our interview with Gordon Thompson. Again, the the series is Divanity Divanity dot com. Go on the web, find out and and find out all about Preston Regis. Uh, this is Deb from Media Night Radio. Have a great night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.